I would like to welcome all those joining us online today. I'm Pastor Zach. If you're new to the church, Shelly and I have the privilege of leading this great group of people called Connection Point Church. You know, the church is not a building. It's the people inside it. That is our definition in the New Testament. So you are the church, and we're glad that you're here, that we can worship together in Jesus' name. Um, I do want to, as I was sitting there worshiping and praying, um, man, music team, thanks for leading us in worship this morning. We always want to come and experience the presence of the Lord. Um, we have that promise. Uh, but I want to uh, thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Putman, for coming up on the platform. I pray I did not embarrass you at all this morning. Um, but I know what a treasure it is for Eric to have parents like you uh, that modeled obedience in following after Jesus. Um, so thanks. Thanks for that this morning. Thanks for praying. Um, I, I do pray I didn't embarrass you at all. If I did, I'm sorry. Um, that's not my intent at all. Um, but just want to bless Eric and Kara as they step out into what God is leading our church in and, and calling them to as well. Uh, Shelly and I, we, we grew up in the church. We are a product of the American church. And uh, if you don't know our background, we, we loaded up about 10 years ago, took our one-year-old Nate, uh, who was up here singing this morning the scripture memory songs. Uh, but he was one at the time. We took him over to Africa, to Sudan, and then spent 10 years overseas between Sudan and, and East Jerusalem. And what our experiences led us to is defining and looking at Christianity through a very different lens than, than maybe what we had experienced growing up in the American church. Um, as I look back on, on the life that I led, basically I, I would have to say as I grew up in the church, I, I came to define Christianity as attending church on Sundays, uh, reading a youth devotional before going to bed, uh, spending some time in prayer. Now, there was just kind of these things that I did that I felt like I should do as a Christian. But I don't know about you, but as a teenager, I began to wrestle or at least began to have the tension in my heart to feel like, what if I had not been born into a Christian home? And the question was this, would I be a Christian? In other words, what makes me different than the, my friend who's growing up in a home that is not Christian? I began to have that, that wrestling in my heart. And I think part of that wrestling came from the fact that as I read the stories in this book, as I looked at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as I looked at the life of the disciples, as I, as I looked at the book of Acts in the early church, I began to ask myself, that's an extraordinary life. But if I look at my own life, I can't say that I've, I've experienced much of the extraordinary. Now, I wasn't I was always somebody who was obedient unto the Lord. I, I never, I don't have the testimony of, you know, I, I ran away from God and, and came back to him. I really lived after, after God my whole life, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for God's providence um, and that he kept me as, as I lived my life. But I, I, I'm honest, if, if I look at my scripture, and this is where we had this shift as we went overseas, I can't say that I experienced anything extraordinary in following Jesus. But what was interesting as I began working through the passage this week that we're going to look at in Luke chapter 5, and the discussion I had with Shelley Tuesday morning, I was, I was working through these points. I understood why I didn't experience the extraordinary. And I want to share that with you today. Because I don't know about your life. I don't know in, in the way that you have followed after Jesus and in, in what your life has looked like. Um, but I, I do know, and because I've talked with many people, and of course we had visited churches um, for, for many years as we raise support to go overseas. My, my conclusion is, is that most people who live in the church, for the most part, live a bit of a mundane existence. But that's not what Jesus invites us to. 
Jesus invites us to the extraordinary, but there is something we have to do in order to accept that invitation. Uh, the, the title of my message this morning is Made Whole, and that's really what this passage that we're going to look at this morning is all about. It's all about the wholeness that we can experience in following Jesus. And here's what the promise is as we look at Luke chapter 5, is that you can be made whole by following Jesus. You can be made whole by following Jesus. So I love the song that we just sang, Come to Me, I'm Your Everything. Um, and I, my prayer for you this morning is that you experience that today, that you experience Jesus as your everything. And part of that wholeness, and so what I'm going to say is, is, as I was praying through this uh, message the last couple of days, I could probably have two titles. One is made whole. The other title could be this. If you want to include it in your notes, that's fine. The other title could be an invitation to an extraordinary life. An invitation to an extraordinary life. Because that's actually what the wholeness is. The wholeness that we can have in Jesus is to live an extraordinary life in his name. But I want to look at how we find that according to the scripture that we have this morning. So if you have your Bibles, <laughs> I hope you do. Uh, there's a Bible underneath your chair if you don't have one with you this morning. We value God's word. And so we want to take a look at that. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 this morning. We're going to pick up in verse 12 where we left off from last week. I'm also going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word simply out of reverence for the fact that God gave his word to us. And so we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 26 this morning. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days, he was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been laying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. 
and they, were, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Amen. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So last week we started in Luke chapter 5 with a message on follow me. And we encounter this incredible invitation, an invitation to follow Jesus. And Peter, he accepts this invitation. The first thing we find is that uh, Jesus says, can you take me out from the shore? And so the first takeaway is, is that some of us might be sitting on the shore. And so the first step is you need to get off the shore and get in the boat with Jesus. And as you get in that boat, you get to experience the extraordinary. Peter did as he experienced this incredible catch of fish, a miraculous catch. And they get back to the shore and we find that the Peter and James and John or Simon Peter, that they leave everything and they follow Jesus. They give up that incredible catch of fish and they say, I want to follow you, Jesus. And what we find is, is that Jesus says, you, if you follow me, will be made catchers of men. So instead of catching stinky fish and killing them and selling them at the market, now you're going to be a part of liberating people. That's actually what the, the meaning behind this word is, that you're going to capture men. It's basically capturing those who have been held hostage, and you're going to be liberating them and setting them free. What an incredible invitation we have as we follow Jesus. We found in this passage that following Jesus is making disciples. Following Jesus is making disciples. And then what we find as we just read this passage is, is the disciples, so Simon and James and John, they get to experience exactly what Jesus said. He says, as you follow me, you're going to set people free. And that's exactly what happens here. He deals with this leprous man. He deals with a paralytic. And so now they are a part of liberating people. They're a part of making people whole because you can be made physically whole by following Jesus. It's an important point. You can be made physically whole by following Jesus. While traveling throughout the Galilee, Jesus and the disciples, they encounter a man full of leprosy, Luke says, full of, covered in. The term leprosy, it can refer to a wide array of diseases the Old Testament, it gave very specific instructions on what you were to do with people who had skin diseases. Uh, if you're reading through the Live Dead Joy, you would have covered that early in the year. Leviticus 13 and 14, I tell you what, those are some interesting passages to read. Um, very quickly, we began a pastoral text chain that said, praise God, this is not our ministry today. Like, who wants to check skin diseases? I will say that uh, we did actually decide since... Pastor Mark was the newest member on staff. If we needed to, we would put it in his job description. He was not very agreeable to that. <laughs> so let me tell you, if you've got a skin disease, don't come to my office. Go see a dermatologist, please. That is not a part of what we do today. Um, but as we look at what a leprous person was, they basically were uh, ostracized. They were social outcasts. They were supposed to go around yelling, unclean, unclean, so that nobody would touch them. So these were people that were outcasts. They were outsiders. But this man, he approaches Jesus humbly. And maybe he's wondering if he's beyond the reach of God's mercy. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. How does Jesus respond? How does our compassionate Savior respond? He reaches out and touches the man. Think about that. He probably hadn't been touched by another person in years. Jesus touches him and says, I will be clean. What a loving Savior we serve. 
and his desire is physical wholeness. You know, at the fall of man, as we experience the fall in the Garden of Eden, one of the things that was broken was our physical self. Death entered our body. So that was not the intent of God. And that's why Jesus, as he comes, he desires to make people whole physically. And maybe you're here today and you have felt unclean. You felt like you're an outsider. You've wondered if you're outside of the mercy of God. But this leprous man shows us nobody's outside of God's mercy. Jesus came for the outsiders. He came for the social outcasts. He came for those who have been ostracized. So if that's you today, may you grab hold of this message and understand Jesus came for you. He came for the outsiders. One of the things that we're going to do as we close today is we're going to invite the music team back and we're going to sing and we're going to ask the prayer team to come forward. And if you're lacking wholeness today, if you're living in in brokenness, may you come forward for prayer at the end and may you give that over to Jesus. My heart is that you experience the wholeness that only Jesus can bring today. You can be made physically whole by following Jesus. Now, before I jump into the next point this morning, I do want to pause on verse 16. I think it's interesting that this is kind of the transition between the ministry that Jesus engages in. He says in verse 16, but he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. We're going to see this as we continue to go through Luke. Periodically, Luke inserts this sentence. Why? Because it's really important to abide in the Father to continue to engage in the ministry of Jesus. You know, we've talked about that core value of abiding daily. And consistently, we see in the ministry of Jesus, he models this for us, the value of abiding daily. It all comes down to this. If you're working through the Live Dead Joy devotional this year, man, there was a really powerful entry this last week that talked about this. And here's what it said. Uh, Dick Brogdon, who's the author of Live Dead Joy, here's what he wrote. Those who abide in Jesus exchange their strength for his. That's powerful. What he's talking about is a verse in Isaiah where it says that you will rise up on wings as eagles. We exchange our strength for his. I don't know about you, but I'd much rather have the strength of Jesus than my own. That's the value of abiding. He says, in the midst of our constant struggle, when we take time on a daily basis to linger with Jesus, to give him extravagant time, he exchanges strength with us. May I encourage you to continue in the ministry of Jesus. You have to abide daily. One of the things that Dick points out, um, he has no problem stepping on people's toes. Here's what he says. Jesus expects us to eat right, to sleep well, and be in, constant and physical, be in consistent physical exercise. His divine energy is not a magic pill that covers our stupidity or neglect. Not something you read in everyday devotional, right? <laughs> but it is true. Sometimes the lack of wholeness we have in our bodies is due to our own uh, neglect and exercise and eating healthily and, and not getting the rest that we need. So can I challenge you? Take care of that on your own and know that Jesus will meet you in the rest. Uh, one of the books we just came back from Israel and one of the books I had left in Jerusalem was a book called Resilience. And it was talking about for, for those that work in cross-cultural settings, things that are required to have resilience. And those are three basics. Eat right, sleep well, and make sure to get exercise. So I, I challenge you as part of your abiding, you also need to take care of your physical self. God gave you a body to take care of and we need to do that. Let me, the last sentence that Dick shares is the only way to push through the inevitable fatigue that accumulates on body and soul 
is to wait on the Lord. So as we continue through this passage, I just want to take a pause there, a commercial break, to say uh, you can maintain wholeness by abiding daily. That you can maintain wholeness by abiding daily. And the second point this morning is this, is that you can be made spiritually whole by following Jesus. You can be made spiritually whole by following Jesus. Jesus continues traveling, so we find in the narrative that he goes out with, with Simon and James and John at least, heals this leprous man, and then it says that he basically is gonna, we're going to encounter this whole dialogue on the friends that drop the paralytic through the roof. Uh, but what's neat as we look at Scripture is sometimes these stories are shared between Gospels. So this particular episode is also shared in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 2. And here's what it says. It helps give some context as to where we're at in Mark chapter 2. Mark writes, And when he, talking about Jesus, returned to Capernaum, so by nature of what we find in Luke is that Jesus heals this leprous man. A couple of days later, he returns to Capernaum after some days. It was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So the question is, where was Jesus' home? And I gave you some clues as we looked at Luke chapter 4, that Jesus, he uh, goes to the synagogue in Nazareth. He shares what is his message, his mission. People in Nazareth aren't real happy with him. So then he leaves, and he goes to Capernaum. Uh, I'm going to share a picture. So we just were visiting the ancient ruins of Capernaum. And you'll see that two signs that they have as you walk in through the gate is Capernaum, the home of Jesus. Sometimes that confuses people. But what they're talking about is that in the years of ministry, as Jesus is ministering, as we continue to read through Luke, his base, his home base is in Capernaum. And it's actually understood that he was in Peter's home. Because in Luke chapter 4, he heals the man in the synagogue, the, the man who's possessed by a demon, and then he goes to Peter's house and heals people and heals his mother-in-law. So it's understood that Jesus is living in Peter's home in Capernaum for his years of ministry. So as we talk about the home of Jesus, we're also talking about Capernaum. And that's what this passage is referring to. Um, I was reflecting upon that. How many would like the Son of God living in your home? <laughs> Talk about discipleship. Holy cow. Uh, that would get you right before God really fast. Um, but that's what it is for Peter. Let me jump to the next slide here. So as you walk through, this is actually the church that they have built up over the ancient ruins of Peter's home. So what you see in front of you is some of the insula homes. So these are some of the ancient ruins of that. You can see the rock is basalt, so it's, it's volcanic rock that they were building with. And so that church, it kind of looks like a UFO landed on Galilee. It's kind of an interesting thing. Um, but what they did is they wanted to build it over Peter's house. And what you can do is you step in and you can look down through the glass into what are the ancient ruins of Peter's home. And the reason they've identified it as his home is because they built a, an octagonal church there, which means within a couple hundred years after Christ, the church said this, this home has value. They understood it to be Peter's home, and they built a church on it. So now do we know for sure it's Peter's home? Not necessarily, but we do know it was in this area. So if you visit Capernaum today, that's what you're going to see. Let me jump to the next slide. But that doesn't necessarily help us understand, as we look at this passage, what kind of home are we talking about? So I want to give you this picture, because this is one of the best pictures you can have of what these homes would have looked like. So as we talk about the home that these uh, four men are lowering the paralytic into, this is much more the home we're talking about. Now, there's two pictures. So the one would just be the house on the outside. The other picture is a back staircase. Because one of the questions is, how do they get to the roof? Well, the understanding is, is they took a back staircase to get up there. Let me jump to the next slide. 
And so over on uh, what would be your left, that would be like the interior room, which also had a staircase leading up to a guest room. Remember we talked in Luke chapter 2 about the guest room that Joseph and Mary likely stayed in? This is kind of an example of that. It's called a cataluma. And as they cut through the roof, this is what they're cutting through. So they've got to cut between beams, cut out the thatch in the, in the mud. Okay, so this is what I want you to have visuals of. Everybody there? You kind of picturing this? It helps you to have a visual of what we're talking about as we look through the scripture. Jesus, what I, what I love about this is he sees the faith of the men bringing the paralyzed man. He sees the faith. Why? Because faith is active. Faith isn't just belief. Faith should motivate you to action. It did for these men. The friends of this paralyzed man, they go to great lengths to see Jesus, to put their friend in the presence of Jesus. Think about what they're having to do. So they're obviously fighting through a crowd. They can't wiggle themselves in through the doorway. So they're hiking their friend up a back staircase. And here's what I love. It's Peter's house. And here's things that we know about Peter. Think about Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. What does he do when the temple guard comes to to take Jesus away? What's Peter do? Cuts off somebody's ear. What does that mean for Peter? What does he own? So here's what I picture. These four guys, they're fighting through the crowd. They're going up the back staircase. All of a sudden, one of them asks, whose house is this anyway? Another guy says, it's Peter's. Peter? You know, he's packing. He's got a sword. You sure you want to bust through his roof? You know, these are kind of the things that I make up as a part of the storyline. But you've got to consider the context of what they're doing. And you've got to consider how hard it was for them to get their friend into the presence of Jesus. They fight through a crowd. They go up a back staircase. They don't pay any attention to the fact that it's Peter's house. And they bust through the roof and drop their friend down at the feet of Jesus. Faith does require action. So what is compelling you in action? Are you desperate for God to move in your life? These men show us the kind of desperation they had for their friend to see Jesus. What are you doing to display that? Are are you showing up early on Sunday for prayer? I know many of you do. Maybe you're unaware that we have a prayer room over here to my left. It would be down to the east hallway. And there's a place where you can come together and pray. Are you desperate for the presence of Jesus that it leads you to a place for prayer? Maybe you come into this room and, and I would challenge you if, you, if you need prayer, come and meet with our prayer team. Many of you do. But what does faith compel you to do? How is it moving in your life? God loves to be sought after. This is what we find here. God loves to be sought after. We're going to get into the Beatitudes later, the teachings of Jesus, what it means to be a citizen in the kingdom of God. And one of those is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Are you satisfied in Jesus? Do you hunger and thirst for more of him? The friends of this paralyzed man, they they seek Jesus and he gives the man much more than he was seeking. He declares his sins forgiven. Jesus ministers in word and deed. We keep seeing that. Jesus, he preaches and he heals. He teaches and he shows compassion. This is the way that we should minister as well, that you should talk about Jesus but we should also display it in the things that we do. Over and over, that's the example we have in Jesus. And what happens? Well, the crowd goes wild. Well, at least the Pharisees and and the scribes, they do. They're not happy with what Jesus says. Why? Because you and I can't forgive sins. Only God can do that. So for Jesus to say that his sins are forgiven, those men begin to question, well, who do you think you are? 
And so Jesus says, well, isn't that the harder thing to do, basically? Because isn't it harder to forgive somebody's sins? Of course, because only God can do that. But Jesus says, so that you might know that I can, I'm going to heal this man right here. So he does the easier thing to display that he can do the harder thing, that he can heal and that he can forgive sins. So this is who Jesus is. He can heal and he can forgive. This is why we can experience spiritual wholeness as we follow Jesus. And Jesus, what he's doing is he's fulfilling his mission to bring release, to set the captives free. So he doesn't want to just give this man physical freedom. He wants to give him spiritual freedom. And this is exactly what uh, Peter and James and John are invited to, this very same mission. So Jesus says, I'm going to come and preach good news. I'm going to set the captives free. I'm going to show compassion. And it's exactly what he does. He displays his mission by setting this man free, by saying that his sins are forgiven. So he fulfills the mission that he came to do. And if you missed the mission, uh, this message on the mission of Jesus, you can go online and find it there. We're invited to be a part of the mission of Jesus. And Jesus came to set people free. He came to set them free physically and spiritually. He tells a paralyzed man, pick up your bed and go home. The man does, and his healing shows that also his sins are forgiven. Jesus can restore your relationship with God. Maybe you've not been living for God in the way that you should. Maybe you've not been living with an active faith, the kind that runs up a back staircase and busts through the roof so that you can experience the presence of Jesus. When we close in song today, I encourage you, sing out, and if you're lacking passion, ask Jesus. Jesus, fill me with more passion of who you are. I want to live spiritually free in your name. You can be made spiritually whole by following Jesus. And the last point this morning is this, is that you can be made whole by bringing others to Jesus. You can be made whole by bringing others to Jesus. How does the crowd respond as Jesus heals a paralytic? Also inferring he's forgiven his sins. Again, the crowd is amazed. And let's look at the wording very carefully. Here's what it says about this crowd. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Amazement seized them all. That also infers that the Pharisees and scribes who were questioning Jesus, that they were filled with awe as well. As we continue looking through the teachings of Jesus, one of the things we talked about actually with a group that was in Israel is so often we've grouped and lumped all the Pharisees together that they were all against Jesus. But that's really not true. As you look at the gospel, were some of the Pharisees against Jesus? Yes, but not all of them. Pastor Jim, at the end of the month, he's actually going to preach through Luke 6, and it talks about how he's walking through the grain fields with the disciples, and the Pharisees ask him questions. Why are they with him? Because people, the Pharisees were hanging out with Jesus. So as we go through and look at the teachings of Jesus, I don't want us to label the Pharisees as everybody was against him. That's not really true. Part of our understanding, we had a Jewish guide as we were in Israel, and he explained part of Jewish culture is argument, that they learn through argument. That's the whole iron sharpening iron. Um, Linda Lee hasn't given me permission to share this, but I will. Um, she comes from a, her, her background is her family was a Jewish background. Of course, she's a believer now, but she actually shared, I now understand my family better because we like to argue. It's okay. 
But part of what we see in the Gospels is that people are arguing with Jesus, and it's not always that they were against him. Part of it is because they want to grow in their understanding. So as they argue with Jesus, and then Jesus displays this miracle, and it says, amazement seized them all. So we have to include the Pharisees and the scribe with that, that they were amazed at the work of Jesus. People are, are hanging out in Peter's home, Jesus' new home. They're following him, and they experience extraordinary things. Because following Jesus leads to the extraordinary. We saw that in the life of Peter. He experienced the extraordinary catch. And following Jesus brings wholeness. We see that for the leper. We see that for the paralytic. And following Jesus leads others to a place of following him as they see you made whole. Your life should be a witness to others. But to experience this kind of life, you have to participate in the mission of Jesus. A mission that you're invited to. Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you catchers of men. Follow me and proclaim my good news. Follow me and show my compassion. Follow me and be a helper to the helpless. That's what it means to follow Jesus. In other words, cultural Christianity won't do. As I was working through this last point with Shelley, my question was this, because this is what I was struggling with. We see in this passage that the, the last line is, they witnessed extraordinary things. But in my experience, most people who follow Jesus don't experience extraordinary things. And here's the reason why. Because they don't do what these friends did for the paralytic. They don't bring people to Jesus. To experience the extraordinary life that you're invited to, you have to fulfill the last part of our mission, which is bringing people to Jesus. If we could show that next slide. You know, the, the mission of our church, we've talked a bit about this if you've been in the church for any length of time. It starts with making a decision to follow him and believing in him. And then we transition to a place where we not only need to believe in Jesus, but we need to belong to his uh, believers. We need to belong to the church. And then we can become more like Jesus because our brothers and sisters in faith help us to grow in our faith. But the last aspect is this. You have to bring people to Jesus to experience the extraordinary. So my challenge for you is this. If you've not experienced the extraordinary in following Jesus, it might be because you're not bringing anybody to him. Could you purpose yourself this week? Who's one person in your life? And let's look at the example of, of the friends. Was it easy for them to bring the paralytic to Jesus? No, it required a lot of work. It's not always going to be easy to bring people to Jesus. But for you to experience the extraordinary, that's what you have to do. Uh, one, of the, um, one of our friends, he, he, I was talking with him, and he had gone on a prayer retreat and was visiting with a Jesuit priest. And he made this statement, and I've been thinking about it in the context of this message. The statement was this, that everything is invitation. Everything is invitation. You don't have to bring people to Jesus. I mean, we will get to the point where we'll see we're commanded to, and you can wrestle with that yourself. But in this context, we're invited to. We're invited to the extraordinary life, but we're invited to the extraordinary life as we bring people to him. And not only did those friends get to experience the extraordinary, but everyone who was there that day got to experience it as well. So it spills over. As you bring people to Jesus and experience the extraordinary, so then you get to help and, and others and be impacted and for them to experience the extraordinary as well. So I encourage you, bring somebody to Jesus. I was visiting with uh, one of our global partners yesterday, and he works in a part of the world where the majority of the population is a secular society. They're atheists. They don't believe in God. And basically, the, the whole point of a secular society is the belief that, basically, I am my own God. 
that I can take care of myself. And this is largely the, the setting that we're in. 67% of people, if you've been here at all, you, you know that statistic. 67% of people in our area don't attend church. They don't have a relationship with God because we live in a secular society. They think they don't need God. And so I was asking him, I said, so what has been your method? How have you reached out to a, a society of people who think they don't need God? And he said, the answer is in brokenness. Everyone, because of our human condition, experiences brokenness. So the way that you can reach your neighbor is that you can share your wholeness with them, that you can share with them, I know the person who can make you whole. I know the person who can get involved in your marriage to make it right. Wholeness is found in Jesus, and he's the answer to the brokenness that our world experiences. How many know a person that's probably living in brokenness? I do. I would imagine you do as well. And you have the answer that they're looking for. And all you need to do is have a conversation to share it. And then you get to experience the extraordinary through that person's life. So I encourage you this week, think of somebody who you know is living in brokenness. I've shared the three questions that you can listen for is, I'm not from here, I wasn't expecting this, or uh, this is something I was not prepared for. Those are all statements of brokenness. These are things that I wasn't prepared for, but I know the one who can help me be prepared for it. So I encourage you, you have this invitation to an extraordinary life, but to accept it, you have to bring someone to Jesus. So that's the question. Who are you bringing to Jesus? Because you cannot experience the extraordinary without this aspect of following him. You can be made whole by following Jesus. Part of your wholeness is for you to experience the extraordinary. But you need to go through that process. Where are you at in that circle? Do you only believe in Jesus? Do you belong to the family of God? Are you becoming more like him? And have you done that last thing of bringing somebody else along with you? May you not simply skirt into eternity. May you bring somebody else along on that journey. You can be made whole by following Jesus. You can experience the extraordinary by leading others to him. You have friends in your life who are separated from God. You have friends in your life like this paralytic. He was separated from God. Jesus didn't just heal him physically, he healed him spiritually. So you have those individuals in your life that you can lead into an experience with him. If you want to experience that extraordinary life, be a part of bringing them along for the ride. Bring them on the journey. The friends of the paralytic, they had to carry him through a crowd, run up a back staircase, bust through a roof, so it may require effort on your part, but it's worth it. Jesus is worth it, and then you get to experience the extraordinary. I'd like to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite the music team to, to come back this morning. We're going to close in song. Prayer team, if you wouldn't mind, if you're here in the room, if you could come, and actually not even on the wings, but just come down here to the front this morning. We want to invite people to come as we close in song um, to be prayed for. So prayer team, if you could come just right down here in the front, and we want to be able to pray with you this morning. If you're living in brokenness, it's pretty hard for you to share wholeness if you yourself are not whole. So we want you to walk out of this place living in wholeness today. So as we close in song, I encourage you, if you're in need of healing, could be physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, I just encourage you to come. If you're in need of provision, uh, we have a pastor's prayer day every month and we go back through the prayer requests of the last month and a number of those prayer requests dealt with provision. So if you're needing wholeness and provision, come forward for prayer this morning. Trust that God is Jehovah Jireh. He wants to be your provider. And we want to believe in prayer for you for that today. Uh, before we close in song and have opportunity for prayer, Maybe you're here today and you haven't 
accepted the invitation to follow Jesus in your life. Uh, maybe you've been far from God for a while, but maybe you're here today and, and you're ready to experience the extraordinary. Again, you're, you're ready to experience the life that only Jesus can bring. So with every head bowed here this morning, I want to ask before we close in song, if that's you today and you'd say, I want to follow Jesus, I want to accept the invitation to an extraordinary life, I want to pray with you this morning before we go. Simply raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you before we go today. Anybody here today that say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to accept the invitation to follow him. I want to accept the invitation to live an extraordinary life. Anybody here today that would say, that's me? I desire more of God. I desire to be reconnected with my creator. If that's you this morning, I would encourage you. Pastor Mark, if you don't mind to come. Pastor Mark, our youth pastor who did our welcome this morning. As we're closing in, in song and inviting people to come forward for prayer, if that's you today and you'd say, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus, Mark, if you don't mind, maybe just come right down here in this middle aisle. Simply come forward and meet with Pastor Mark, and he'll pray with you. He'll give you a Bible so that you know where to go from here to follow Jesus for a lifetime. Jesus, we just ask that you'd bring wholeness today. As we, as we close in song, as we sing this song, that we can come to you that you are our everything. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would meet people's needs today. Lord, if they are in need of physical healing, I pray that you would grant it. God, if people are in need of provision, I pray that you would bring it. God, if people are in need of emotional healing, God, I just pray that you would, you would do that today. God, we pray wholeness over this body today in Jesus' name. We just ask that you would give it. In your name we pray, amen.